Welcome to Super Thank on X-Ray FM, a show devoted to true stories of gratitude for stuff that matters. I'm Eric Klein. So why express gratitude? That's Jefferson Smith posing the question to the audience as host of Super Thank's most recent live event, featuring true stories of gratitude. This was the sixth time Super Thank has organized such an evening. Why gratitude? This is the sixth one, the first five. We explained that a little bit. We would talk about how it makes you healthier, it makes you sleep better, it makes you happier. If you express gratitude five times a week, it'll make you happier than if you won the lottery over time. So gratitude can be more powerful than money. But this particular evening of Superthank was different. During the long winter nights of the holiday season, Superthank has switched from gratitude to grievances. So why do an airing of grievances? Why get together and do something very different than gratitude? It has to do with the idea that even truly positive people, they're not positive 100% of the time. So this is Super Thanks airing of grievances. We called the night of storytelling, thanks a lot. First up is Ryan Sari of the Oregon Public House. Have you been to the Oregon Public House before or heard of it? It's Oregon's nonprofit brew pub. They are working a brew pub as a nonprofit to serve and benefit other organizations. So I am very interested to hear who Ryan Sari, a very kind person, is ready to hate on tonight during our purge of the airing of grievances. Everybody, Ryan Sari. 180 billion. That's how much money Americans spend on alcohol every year. All right, all right, all right. Uh, In a time of recession, when the economy is bad and people are spending less money, alcohol sales actually go up. Not judging, I'm just giving you information. This was the reality that some friends uh, and I uh, were presented with in 2009 uh, when we came up with the idea for the Oregon Public House. Uh, In 2013, the Oregon Public Public House finally opened its doors. Uh, We uh, are the nation's first non-profit pub. We exist solely to raise money and awareness for other local charities, uh, great world-changing organizations. And the vision was really simple. It was, let's create a place of community where people can come together and celebrate and share life and connect and tell stories and laugh and have fun, eat, drink, give to organizations that are changing the world. We have no owner, nobody takes a profit, nobody takes a salary on the back end at all. Everything we make goes out the door to these world-changing organizations, and we allow our customers to choose which charity they want to support every time they place their order, right? Great idea, right? Really cool. Uh, Okay. So, uh, tonight is an airing of grievances. So I got a real problem with you, Oregon Public House. And with you, Ryan, sorry. And here's my issue. Uh, a while back, I was sitting in the pub, and I was sitting at the bar having a beer with uh, a customer there, a, new, a guy I just met. And he was uh, you know, talking about how he loved the pub, and he was like, man, I love this place, man. Like, you get to drink beer. It's like charity. Oh, it was so awesome. And uh, he was a surfer from the 1980s, obviously. But... Um, <laughs> But he was going on, and he was like, you know, I, I love it here, man. I was like, I don't got to write a check. You know, I don't got to volunteer. I can just come in, have a beer, and I'm doing my part, you know? 
And I mean, I know what he was saying, right? I mean, that's exactly what we were wanting. We wanted to create a place where celebration became a charitable act. And, but I had a problem with that, right? I mean, I, listening to what he was saying, I was like, that, like, when did charity become a transaction? You know what I mean? What happened? Are, and are we, is the Oregon Public House, are we perpetuating this kind of selfish idea that, yeah, I'll give to you, but what are you going to do for me? You know? And in this era right now, we, we're, we're, we're connected in, in some ways, right? We have these social uh, media and these social uh, websites that allow us to kind of come together. We realize, I think, now that we can do more together than we can uh, individually, right? And so we have these awesome organizations and websites like uh, GoFundMe and Indiegogo and uh, uh, Kickstarter, right? All these things that we can come together and support causes and projects that we believe in. But in those, whenever you do that, you're always kind of you're getting something back, right? There's always like, yeah, I'll support your cause, but you know, I better get a tote bag or something. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> What, what do I get? And what happened? What happened to sacrifice? You know, what happened to, like, me actually, like, like losing a little bit in order to give to someone else, right? Uh, and, and that's my issue. And as I was thinking about this, I'm sitting uh, at the bar, and uh, we finished our beers, and I was thinking about this, especially right now during this time of, of giving, right? It's a, a season of giving. Uh, I want to encourage myself. I want to encourage you. Uh, let's give. Let's figure out some way to actually be selfless. Selfless acts are really challenging to find, right? Um, and I was thinking about this as I was sitting there. Uh, we finished our beers. I was looking behind the bar, and we have our, our chalkboard behind the bar that shows our total donations. Um, and, it, and at that point, uh, it was about $40,000 um, in about uh, 16 months of operation, which, you know, that was cool. That felt good, right? That felt charitable. But, you know, I was thinking, like, but what did that really cost me? Like, that's a lot of beer I've drank. That's great. But what, you know, what, what did I do? What, what sacrifice have I made, Right. And so I decided in that moment to do a truly selfless act, and I bought the next round. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks to Ryan Sari of the Oregon Public House. You're listening to Super Thank on X-Ray FM. I'm Erica Klein. Superthank shares stories of gratitude for stuff that matters. But today is a little different. We're calling it Thanks A Lot, recorded live at Eastburn in Portland, Oregon, hosted by Jefferson Smith. Our next speaker is inspiring. You will find that when you have a chance to feel her and hear her. Uh, she lives in a tiny house. It is a very, very small house. It is very small. And I don't know that she's pissed off about it. I actually think she's pissed off about something else entirely. Maybe because she lives in a tiny house, but that's not what it's about. Dee Williams, round of applause. Thank you. Uh, so I was trying to figure out what I was most pissed off about. And I, I came up with uh, a couple of things. Just a short list. And uh, I thought I would read some of those things. And, and it's all tied to aging. 
So, uh, number one, lumps, sags, and weird body functions, including tube sock-like boobs, (laughs) that apparently I need to curl like cinnamon buns into my bra. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, dry skin that appears like a NASA image of Mars. Wasn't expecting that either. A flat, unsexy ass, and I'll just demonstrate. Need I say more? Odor. I stink. I don't know what it is. I noticed, I noticed it at work one day, and it was me. I tried to blame my office mate. He didn't buy it. Confusion, mostly over words like twerking. I don't even know what that is. I spent like a good solid half an hour talking to somebody at work about what it could be. And then later, after we were in the privacy, we, we, we talked about this later. After we got home, where we weren't censored by the state, because we both work for the state, we looked it up, and we were shocked. <laughs> it's like naughty. <laughs> and we both had taken the sexual harassment training that's required by the Department of Ecology, where I work, but we were totally talking about twerking, like, it must be twisting and jerking. <laughs> So I'm confused, often, by the words that are commonly used today. Um, Seeing, I can't. The the fact that I can read this right now is a little bit of a miracle. All of a sudden, instead of having, like, really cool hip sunglasses on my head all the time, I have these glasses, (laughs) which I will now use. Dimples. I used to have dimples on my cheeks uh, when I was a kid. And now... Can you see? (laughs) Essentially, I have a wrinkle that goes from my eye to my chin. I don't know where the dimples went. They disappeared. Memory. Now, I've had a lot of problems with memory lately. Like, uh, I got into the shower a couple days ago, and I had forgotten to take my socks off. And I, I thought that was pretty bad. But then I talked to a friend of mine, my age, and she had gone to the mall, came out, and her car was missing, so she called the police. A week later, they called her and said, hey, we have your car. It's across the street from your house, parked in the high school parking lot. And then she remembered that she had parked it over there so there was room for her book club which is another thing about aging. It's like book clubs. What is it about book clubs and aging? It's like everybody's old. Um, insomnia. I, I can't really talk too much about that I, I, except because I can't remember. But I know I was up at 4 o'clock this morning. Peeing. Peeing at inopportune times, like stepping off a curb. Like when... When did that start? Um, I just, I don't understand my peers. I work with a lot of 30-something-year-olds, and you people are weird. I just, I can't say anything more. 
And if we want to have a conversation, we'll have to text it to each other. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's a, that's a good summary of challenges I've faced as I've aged. I won't talk about all of a sudden, like, uh, some of the 20-something-year-olds that I work with. Um, their beard, as it's sprouting, is very similar to mine. <laughs> it's like, when did that start, too? It's like, you know, strange, weird facial hair. I've got that now. Um, but the thing that I want to really offer is that I never imagined that I would grow old enough to step into aging. I never, seriously, never saw this coming. I was diagnosed some years ago with congestive heart failure. As a young woman, I had an old man's disease. And um, suddenly, I find myself standing here uh, with a croaky voice, which is another sign of aging, (laughs) just saying, uh, uh, grateful and deeply, profoundly thankful for getting to grow old and watch my friend's beards, Eileen. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't, I wasn't going to call you out. Or Steve-O, what happened? You know? Anyway, uh, I am grateful for the opportunity to age with my friends in place and uh, deeply thankful to all of you guys, and best of luck as you age. Dee Williams with her airing of a grievance. Dee lives in a tiny house in Portland, Oregon. You're listening to Super Thank on the radio on KXRY in Portland and on the web at superthank.org. Jefferson Smith hosted our last storytelling event. We have one more storyteller. His name is Donald Rose. I asked, how do you want to be introduced? He says, just tell him that I am telling a story about a teacher, and I'm a teacher. Round of applause, Donald Rose. So school started off horrible for me. I, uh... I had a teacher named Miss Keckler. She was my kindergarten teacher. Um, she yanked me by my ear. And when I went home to tell my mom, she denied it and then made me stand in front of her and uh, apologize for lying, which wasn't the truth. And I didn't even, oh, actually, I didn't even tell my mom. I didn't rat her, I didn't rat her out. I was like, oh, I guess that's what happens. The, uh, the neighbor kid got his ear pulled and then told and said, well, it happened to Donald, too. And I was like, you snitch. You know, here I go. So then first, first, second, and third grade were great. In fact, third grade was the best, one of the best years of school I ever had. Um, I had a teacher named Miss Brame, and she had me run for class president. She nominated me for TAG. She did all these great things for me that I felt, like, really confident about myself and actually appreciated. So I got into fourth grade, and the teacher did not appreciate me. She didn't like me at all. She kind of ignored me, didn't, didn't uh, you know, I'd raise my hand, never called on me. I think she was trying to, like, knock me down a few notches. Fifth grade was even worse. I got into fifth grade, and I had a teacher who uh, choked me once, uh, pushed my head down all the way to the ground. I was a bully. I'm not going to lie. I can own what I did. There was a kid in my class who had Tourette's. I wasn't old enough to understand what Tourette's is. I kept telling him, like, shut the fuck up. He kept, he kept going, uh, 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 and I was like, shut up. And I don't mean for anybody to laugh at that, but I didn't really understand it, and I had to sit by him, and I was not being nice to him. And the teacher slammed me down on the desk, 
And uh, then he says, you, you're not going to sit here anymore. And he put me in the back. And there was these three, um, you know those desks, the testing desks? Or they're also in-house suspension desks because I did a lot of that too. And it went around like this. And uh, I would yell from the back of the classroom like, or, you know, hey, Tim, you know, or I'd throw something. I was just trying to get attention. And um, he would walk up to me and he'd say, shut up, you asshole. Shut up, you chowderhead. He called me all kinds of weird old man names that I guess, like, when he called me chowderhead, I was like, I don't know what that is, but it's better than asshole. I know what that means. So um, we, we had these, uh, they had social workers come. There was a kind of a rough group of boys. And the next place I went to, I was at Jim Bridger Elementary out in Southeast, and I ended up going to Bensmead Middle School. Now, Bensmead Middle School had this reputation, it happens to, um, uh, they tell all the older kids, tell the fifth graders, look, they're going to put you in garbage cans and roll you down hills. They're going pu- to put pennies on the toilet, and they're gonna pu- you're going to have to push it around with your nose with a big pile of shit in there. And if it falls in, then they're going to slam your head in it and fle- give you a fleshy, a shitty, fle- like a swirly with your... And I was like, oh, God. And I was so scared. I'd had dreams for like a month before school that all this stuff was going to happen to me. And so I brought Pepto-Bismol with me, these, those little tablets and all these things. And I was really scared. And when I got there, it wasn't that bad, except the teachers didn't care at all about me. I felt like, like I was just another kid. And I was in... Uh, this advanced math class where all we did was throw stuff at the teacher every time he got over the overhead. I did that for a full year. And by halfway through, I started running with these kids that were like me. Uh, my mom, and my parents are right here, but my mom um, had just um, remarried. My dad, thank God, he did a lot for me in my life. My, uh, my dad had died when I was three. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of emo- I was very emotional, still am. And I was, I'm naturally oppositional, too, um, just kind of who I am. And... Um, and, I'm, and I firmly believe in the idea of when you give respect, you get it back. And I wasn't getting any respect, so I wasn't giving any. And uh, I started running with these kids, and I started smoking weed when I was about 11, drinking. My mom, she cringes every time she hears that, but uh, I was running with these kids, and we didn't have much supervision, and we were just kind of doing our thing, and I flunked every class. And... Um, it really got bad at my birthday party. Uh, I invited all my new friends, and my dad's name is Mitch. What does that rhyme with? And so all my friends were like, Mitch the bitch, Mitch the bitch, the whole time in the car. And I was like, you call my dad a bitch? Damn it. And then my parents were like, well, I don't think you're going to go to Marshall High School. I don't think that's the place. Maybe we should look at some private schools or something. I don't know if this is going to work. And then as everything started to deteriorate, a teacher called up and said, you got to get Donald out of here. This is not working for him. At that time, I'd gotten in multiple fist fights. I'd pantsed a kid all the way. My, one of my best friends growing up, don't know what I was thinking. Maybe I was high. Not that marijuana had anything to do with it, but I was an asshole. But I, I pulled his, his pants, underwear. He was talking to a girl completely down in, fr- in PE. Yeah, I was horrible. Um, I don't feel good about that. In fact, I saw the guy like 15 years later, and he still was mad. I, don't really, don't, I really don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. Um, I'd be mad too. So um, my parents tried to get me into Mount Tabor, which is the good school on the other side of the mountain. Um, there was Bensmead and then Mount Tabor. It's still there. Um, and couldn't get me in. And so they were trying to shop me around a little bit. But if you looked at my transcripts, it's like, oh, a kid flunks out, um, pants his kids, uh, makes fun of kids with Tourette's. Sounds like somebody we'd really love to have in our school community. Um, so I... Uh, I end up at St. Ignatius, 
Now, St. Ignatius is on 43rd and Powell. And uh, I walk in, and I have this stupid uniform. It's like khakis and a polo shirt or whatever. And you had to wear the same thing all the time. The only thing you could express yourself with was shoes, which was really important to me. So I, I was kind of a skater, but I, like, I, had slight, I think I had Jordans on the first day. And I was like, yeah, this is the only way I can be me, like every other kid who has Jordans, right? <laughs> Try to explain that to my students now. They don't listen to me. So I... Um, I show up, and I'm like, oh, hey, who smokes weed? And the kids are like, huh? And I'm like, well, who drinks? Well, what? Well, which girl's French kiss? Huh? Like, the hell? Like, this dude's out of his mind, right? So, of course, like any, any situation you go into like that, sooner or later someone's going to test you. And I had it in my mind. The minute a kid steps to me, because they're all soft in my mind, I'm going to sock the hell out of somebody. I'm going to hit them as hard as I can in the face. And then I'm going to go back to men's meet, because that's where I want to be. I don't want to be here. These people suck. Everything sucks. And I was angry. So this kid's like, hey, new kid, and bumps me. And I'm like, boom, just like socked him. And he's like, oh, you know, like, like I don't think anybody would hit anybody at that school, right? <laughs> And I was like, oh, and I just start walking to the office because I'm like, here, that's my ticket the fuck out. I'm out of here, right? I'm not hanging out anymore. It's time to go, right? So I walk into the office and there's this beehive nun there. And she's not the principal who I met on the first day, whose name was Sister Mo. This was a woman named Sister Anne. And Sister Anne goes, I knew you were going to do this. And I was like, that's fucking right. You get me out of here, you know? So I was like, okay, call my mom. And I, I was preparing myself, because I, I never like to make my mom cry, even, even now. But, like, I was like, she's going to cry. That's going to make me cry, because I hate it. when my, my mom figured out that beating me didn't work, but crying sure as hell did, right? <laughs> so I, uh, I was like, so she's going to cry, and then we'll get through this. And I'll be back to throwing shit at the math teacher. It's going to be great. And um, Sister Ann goes, no, we're not going to call your mom. And I was like, Okay. She's like, come with me. So she takes me out by the church, and there's all these weeds and some uh, rhododendrons that look like they'd been like there for two years dead and all this stuff. And she's like, you're going to pull all this out of here. And here's the thing that's interesting. At that moment, I could have said, fuck you. I could have said no. I could have said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then I could have saw what happened. But for some reason, her approach with me made me at least go, oh, okay, maybe I'll pull these weeds and... Then I'll have to hit someone twice, right? <laughs> so I don't know why. So I'm pulling weeds, and it takes me about four or five days of pulling weeds. And um, I get done, and I say, I'm done. She goes, no, you're not. There's rocks in there, and the, the ground's all dried up. And here, and she brought me two tools. Now, the whole time, she's grading papers, not looking up, but knows every time I'm off task. Don't know how. She just knew. She'd be like, Donald, get back to work. And, like, I'd look up at her, and she'd be, she'd be facing, like, like this way. Like, what the fuck? How in the hell? And I was like, this woman's got mystical powers, right? I was totally like, kind of like taken aback. So I finally get it all done. It takes weeks. So in Catholic school, which I think we should still do in public school, but I won't get on this podium, they have recess for middle schoolers. It's a 15-minute recess in the morning, and then it's a half-hour recess in the afternoon, and I needed that, and I always did, and I appreciated it. But at that time, it was kind of like they treated me like a dog that was new to a population where I got to be by the other side of this chain link fence. Like, I just get to sniff your ass, but I can't bite you. You know what I mean? So I'm sitting there like I'm sitting there on the fence and I'm 
And, well, not really. I'm sitting there doing the thing, and I'm looking at kids, and they're playing football, and they're playing basketball. And I'm like, oh, okay. And in class, I'm mellowing out a little bit. I'm starting to learn kids and figuring out, hey, there's, there's, there's actually other kind of like undercover delinquents here that I can kick it with. Like, we, we see eye to eye. So, um, my buddy Tyson. Um, so, anyway, we, uh, I, I finish, and it's all cleared up. And I said, okay, sister, I'm done. And it felt like a ton of work. I'd never done any work like that in my life. And she goes, no, you're not done. You have two more days. And I was like, well, what else is there to do? She goes, well, just come back tomorrow. Well, she had a nursery bring all these new bushes and plants. She taught me, she showed me how to dig holes, how to plant, how to do all these things. And I finally finish, and she goes, you can go. Okay, so they're all planted there. So fast forward like 15 years, and my wife and I are looking for a church to get married in. And we'd gone all over the city. And um, the church that we usually go to was Cathedral downtown, but we didn't want to, it was like a year out to get married there, and it was too big and all these things. So I was like, well, we should just go to St. Ignatius and check it out. So I was walking in, I'm like, those are the same, that's like the same order of the plants that I grew, right? And I go through Mass, and um, I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, this woman turns around, and it's Sister Anne. And she looks very similar. Her hair's the same. Uh, and, you know, nuns, nuns don't, they don't, I mean, re- like, she's wearing the same, like, probably maybe even the same clothes, like, exactly the same clothes. She didn't have a habit on. It wasn't stereotypical. And I said, Sister Anne. And she kind of looks up at me, and I go, I'm Donald Rose. She goes, oh, hi, Donald. And I was like, I'm a teacher. And she goes, Wow wow, that's great to hear. And I said, you know, I'm a teacher because of you. Because you showed me, you showed me how to, like, give a kid a second chance. You showed me how to hit a kid sideways. Like, to make them think about who they were and why they were doing what they were doing. And you gave me time to think about it. And she started crying. And I'm, I get teary every time I tell this story. And I start crying. And my wife, she, she cries at everything. But... <laughs> She's good support. If you need someone to cry with you, my wife's there. <laughs> so we're both kind of crying, and she gives me this big hug. And um, the things that I take away from Sister Anne are these. Um, I was talking Kate Murphy, a good friend of mine here. She went to St. Ignatius, too. And um, she was just, I was like, I'm telling this thing about Sister Anne. And the first thing she said, she was so fair. And she was. Like, if you were that cute little girl with the ponytail, she would check you. And... <laughs> I love that. You know what I mean? Because I was always in trouble. So I was like, you know, yeah, you're going to catch me, you know, even though that kid, you know how it is, even though that kid up there is screwing off as much as me, but since she's got little dimples and every, and she goes, Sister Anne, and right, she'd be like, she was on everybody. So I was like, that I, it was so fair. So as a teacher, I take that and I go, you know, everybody needs to be treated that way. Everybody. It doesn't matter. Kids need second chances. People need to be treated fairly all the time. People need to be respected for who they are. And kids need time to learn how to act. We expect kids, we, when kids can't read or write when they come to class, we go, okay, we got some work to do. When they don't know how to behave sometimes, we just write them off. And that's what happened to me. She didn't write me off. And the last thing, and I'm not a math teacher, my friend Jack here is, but I, I, she taught me math and I still do it exactly the way she taught me. And I'm not a math fan. It's not my favorite thing to do, but I I still do percentages the way she taught me. I remember she taught me how to cross, multiply, and divide, and she was one of the best teachers I ever had. So I went into that situation being angry, um, being pissed off, and I've left being so grateful that she was my teacher and that she really helped me kind of see who I was. So thank you. (laughs) 
Thanks to Donald Rose for sharing his story. And thanks to everyone who told a story that evening. Superthank has another live event coming up in February, and you're invited. Details online at superthank.org. Like Superthank on Facebook to get in the loop, and check us out on SoundCloud to listen to past episodes of the show. All the music on the program was composed by Poddington Bear. I'm Erica Klein. Thanks for listening.